We're in James chapter 4 today, verses 11 and 12, and uh, whopping two verses today. And uh, why don't we stand together as you get opened up in your Bible there. Great to bring your Bible to church. Uh, you know, just a lot of people using digital uh, Bibles on their phone, and that's awesome. Taking notes on their phones, stuff like that. Um, and also good to have a paper Bible if you're trying to learn where things are at in, in the Word. Um, it'll help you uh, remember where to, how to navigate your Bible and, and where to find these things. So, quick two verses here. <clears throat> it says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy Who are you to judge another? Let's go ahead and pray. Just as we just have a heart of prayer, just uh, I want to share just with our, just our hearts bowed, um, just that uh, studied through verse 17 this week, but, uh, and kind of was more interested in verses 13 through 17 and, and felt like, ah, that'd be, that'd be the better message for today. And just in the last few days, just the Lord said, no, there's, there's an issue that we need to just let the Holy Spirit confront us on. Uh, there's sin in our lives um, concerning slander and condemning one another. And, um, and he just brought severe conviction in my heart and, uh, and just grief, grief over just uh, this, this issue and and so, Lord, as we just come just with hearts of laughter and joy, um, so glad Troy is back and to just be able to rejoice and clap and, and to stand and, and just thank him, Lord, um, just for, for serving our country, Lord, and protecting us. And, and Lord, for you to answer our prayers, to bring him and, and the troops from Oregon back safe, Lord, that's just... That's wonderful, and we give you glory, and we recognize you, Jesus, as the, the chief hero, God, who went into enemy territory and, and fought for us, Lord, and uh, Troy is kind of an example of you in that, God, and, and Lord, uh, to laugh and to, and to be exhorted in wonderful announcement time, uh, and, and, and Lord, it just, I just kind of felt my heart kind of move away from grieving over just just what I know you want to do in me uh, and getting rid of this sin as uh, the passage says uh, lament and mourn and grieve and humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up and so Lord we just um, we want you to set the tone in our hearts for this word from you as Johnny sang in the first song speak to me word of God speak to me I come alive when you speak to me. So speak to us here in these two little verses, seemingly obscure verses uh, in James chapter 4, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. I want to uh, speak today concerning the sin of slander. The sin of slander. And I want to uh, read the J.B. Phillips translation of this passage 
Um, just if you don't know who he is, he was alive during World War II, had a heart for the high schoolers in London, and uh, it was a Greek scholar who wrote a translation uh, that's an easy read for, for young people, and it's a very useful tool in studying the word. Uh, good, accurate uh, translation. Um, it says, Never pull each other to pieces, my brothers. If you do, you are judging your brother and setting yourself up in the place of God's law. You've become, in fact, a critic of the law. Yet, if you start to criticize the law, instead of obeying it, you are setting yourself up as a judge. And there is only one judge, the one who gave the law, to whom belongs absolute power of life and death. How can you then be so silly as to imagine that you are your neighbor's judge? And so in this passage, we have what Jerry Bridges calls two of our respectable sins. In other words, they're sins that we think are, are okay, and we often kind of shrug off as, uh, as okay. The psalmist even says that sometimes we think God's okay with these sins. The sin of slander and the sin of judgmentalism. Seneca wrote, when I think of all the things I've said, I envy dumb people. In other words, I envy the mute. I wish that I was someone who wouldn't speak because I'm getting myself in trouble and I'm damaging people. In the context of verses 11 and 12, we have the wide context of Scripture. The Bible itself speaks much to slander. Psalm 50, and we're going to read it together, shows that slander and deceitful speech are at the heart of our fallen condition. In Psalm 50, verse 16, to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instructions and cast my words behind you? When you saw a thief, you consented with him and had become a partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. That hits home. You know, it speaks to what James tells us concerning speaking evil of brothers. Sitting there and framing deceit with our tongue. Speaking evil of our brother and slandering our mother's son. Our blood brother. These things you've done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. And so today we have this fallen condition focus of the evil sin of slander. It's a felt need in our body and in our community right now, within our church, within our homes, that we would frame all kinds of lies with our tongue about uh, brothers, whether they be physical brothers or spiritual brothers. And you know, how often do we think that the Lord's okay with that? We think the Lord's actually maybe even on our side in this. He gets why I'm defaming this brother. He gets why I'm speaking these hurtful things about, and the Lord says, I'm not with you. I'm altogether unlike you in this area, and I'm going to correct you in this area. 
But you know, wherever we have the fallen condition in the scriptures and kind of the, the, the bad news, there's the good news. As he says at the end of our psalm, whoever would conduct himself aright and come underneath obedience to the Lord, offering praise to God, I will show the salvation of God. If we would repent even today of our slander to one another and, and, and one to another and, and to the distant uh, parts of the world, relatives that were slandering and this and that, man, the Lord will bring salvation. The Lord will cleanse our hands, as the previous verses in James 4 tell us. Cleanse our hands, purify our hearts. We're sinners, we're double-minded. Let's turn to God and submit ourselves to God concerning issues of our tongue. The Proverbs, which deal with wisdom for young men, and of course is applicable for wisdom for all of us, the Proverbs has 60 references to the tongue. 31 chapters and 60 references to the tongue. Proverbs 10, 18, to show an example, says, Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. If you're one given to slander, it's a foolish practice. The New Testament, in chapter 12 of Matthew, it's Jesus who says that we're going to give an account for every word that we speak. And a few weeks ago, we taught on this out of James chapter 3, and there was a, a study done, you know, an estimate of how many thousands of words men and women speak every day. How many of those do we think are completely edifying, completely truthful, building one another up, helping the kingdom of God advance? I hope a lot. <laughs> I hope a lot. Sobering passage to know that we give an account on the day of judgment before the Lord. And so that's kind of the wide context of Scripture and the Lord's heart for our mouths to not be speaking evil. But then we come to the book that we've been for the last eight weeks, and we have James chapter 1, the first chapter of James in verse 19, saying, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. How quickly were the reverse of that? I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. I'm just going to let my wrath come out through my mouth. It's been said there's a reason we've been given two ears and one mouth. So that we listen more and speak less. The same chapter in chapter 1 verse 26 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. How many people claim to be mighty men of God, and yet we're going to read in chapter 3 that, well, let's go ahead and read it, chapter 3, verse 2, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So if someone claims to be a religious man, perfect in purity and all righteousness, and yet his mouth just flaps and gets away from him, man, we know that there's a heart issue going on in this individual, there's something that's not pure and undefiled religion, that there's deceit going on inside this individual. But someone that's able to hold his tongue and be silent, uh, man, there's some maturity there uh, in his spiritual walk with the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 5 says, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. You know, we saw one definition of the tongue is that it's a two-ounce slab of mucous membrane, membrane sitting in the mouth. And how much trouble that two-ounce slab brings, huh? How much trouble do we get ourselves in? How much destruction does it bring? A little tiny spark that kindles an entire forest fire of destruction. James chapter 3 verse 6 says, And the tongue is a fire, 
a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. There's a demonic demonism devilishness about a tongue that has not come under submission to the word of God and to the Lord. It, it's demonic. It's evil. It's selfish. And maybe you're here and, and maybe this is one of your first times here and maybe that's just bringing some conviction to your heart. You might get on our website and listen to James chapter 3 concerning the untamable tongue uh, because these are almost, it's almost a two-part series, you know, although we've skipped a few weeks. But in our more immediate context, here we are today in James chapter 4 verse 11. As we know, verse 11 comes after verse 10 and before verse 12. But where we've been reading that we've been called to submit ourselves to God. To cleanse our hands, you sinners, James says. To purify our hearts, you double-minded. Daily repenting. Daily taking sin seriously. Daily humbling ourselves before God. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, verse 12 says, and he will lift you up. When you've been humbled before God, it will inevitably affect the way you speak to others and speak about others. And this is where James kind of puts a bookend at what he started speaking about in chapter 3 regarding the tongue. He leads us into this issue of slander. And as David Guzik says, we have the solution to all of the strife, wars, and fights from verses 1 through 10 of our chapter. The solution is get right with people in humility as we've humbled ourselves before God. And so verse 11, our text today, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Speaking evil of a brother is the issue here. Literally, speak not against your brother. Don't slander him. Don't slur him, insult him, or defame him. One preacher says, Doing someone down. Doing someone down or talking someone down. Reducing an individual. Usually it's behind their back without giving them a chance to defend themselves or explain themselves. Slander is so closely related to gossip. And when we slander people, we do them down. And we like that in our flesh. We like to take people down and belittle them because it makes us feel higher, more righteous, more innocent. It builds up our kingdom while tearing others down. If I can make you feel horrible, I'll make myself feel better. William Tyndale, a Bible translator, refers to this slander as malicious talk. False report, telling lies, the unhelpful repeating of stories about the wrongs and offenses of others. Let me say that again. The unhelpful repeating of stories about the wrongs and offenses of others. We live in a day that thrives and lives and feeds us off of gossip columns and gossip shows. A steady diet that will inform our thinking. And what that will begin to do, will it'll create channels and streams in our heart that will affect our whole lives. 
One man wrote an accurate assessment of this problem. It's the sin of those who meet in corners and gather in little groups and pass on confidential tidbits of information that destroy the good name of those who are not there to defend themselves. Is it okay if I read that one more time? Slander is the sin of those who meet in corners and gather in little groups and pass on confidential tidbits of information that destroy the good name of those who are not there to defend themselves. Gossip and slander will kill a community. It will kill a city. It will kill a home and a family. Think of the divorces the ruined marriages, the children that don't have two parents living in their home anymore because of defamation of character that has its root in evil pride, hellish devilism of pride. Chapter 3 and 4 of James, it kind of lumps it all into that demon stuff. It's bad. It kills. It destroys. It's self-centered rather than God-centered. And it kills community. It kills a church. It kills friendships. So convicted this week as I study this, just totally ready to just kind of hop over these two verses. Two verses. It's about judgment. We've done that before, you know. It's about the tongue. Man, we did a whole huge study on that a couple weeks ago. Let's just move on, right? Move on. There's a whole New Testament to tackle here. And the Lord was like, no. And and to prove that you can't move on, I'm going to show you all of it in your own life. All of the slander in your own life. Picking rocks yesterday and joking about my wife, just teasing about something she said. And the tone that I made her voice sound like was slander. Are you sure there's even going to be an A through D there at the barbecue? I mean, you know, do we even have an A through D in our church, you know? And if you know, I was distributing a menu, an A through D, bring hamburger buns or whatever. She didn't say it like that. And of course, there I am in the field picking rocks. Yeah, here's what my wife sounds like. Oh, real good. And the Lord was just like, that is just like this little form of slandering that we think's okay. And the Lord says, it's not. I'm not with you on that. This is your bride. This is your dove. This is your beloved. I didn't mention this in first service because she was in here and that would have been weird. (laughs) And then I go from there to, you know, talking about, why can't Dustin be out here picking rocks with us? Sure, his finger was amputated a week ago. He has another good hand. No, we were joking on that one. But Mark got convicted and rebuked me. (laughs) You know, it went through a situation this weekend where, you know, just someone I love and just been working with um, had an encounter with the police. And and I'd spoken with the police about this beforehand. and, And just, man, encouraged the police in the time of national crisis with police. And especially in Prineville, right? I mean, I guess there was even something that happened last night concerning our police. And... They're going through it. You guys pray for the police. But, but I was murmuring with Kevin and Aaron and Casey and, uh, and Mark and, you know, just that, you know, I, I feel like there's something going on here and it's just, you know, and, and trying to be respectful, but also, and you know what? It was wrong. It was sin. Kevin, Aaron, 
I had, to, I had to correct myself in front of Mark. It was sin. The Lord was showing me right there that, man, these are people, these police are ministers of the Lord. Did you know that? Romans 13, these are ministers of the Lord to execute the righteousness of God. And if you don't want to be afraid, then don't sin. All right? It's Romans 13 for you. Just done speaking with an officer and just, man, if you need anything, here's my house. I want to be here for you guys. And then I really feel like I should have done. Hard job, right? Talk about a hard job. And what they're going through and just seeing how gossip and slander, just even in this little slightly, just going to air my grievance here to you guys, it will kill a community. Could you imagine what could happen in a community if that went from here to here to here Pastor Rory said this and this and this. And yeah, let's, fire, let's fuel this fire of rebellion against our, our police force. Sinful, wrong, grieving about it. I've slandered you guys. I've spoken about you guys in a hurtful way. And you guys, the Lord needs to purge this from us. If we are going to be this body that exists to make followers of Jesus obeying everything he's commanded, going to the ends of the earth, let's not be pagans and demonish in the way we use our tongue. Because we're no better than the Buddhists or the, or the Hindus in that case. In fact, probably worse. <laughs> they might have us beat morally there. Let's repent of this sin and let the Lord cleanse our hands and purify our heart. It can kill a community, James says here, brothers, it can kill a family. Proverbs 6.16 says, the Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are an abomination to him. I'm not going to read all of them, but he kind of starts out with, uh, uh, I think I have a different version here, so I want to see, what does verse 17 say? A proud look, a lying tongue, and then verse 18 closes with, one who stirs up trouble among brothers. One who stirs up trouble among brothers. That's not the end of the verse there. That's something that the Lord hates. That is something that is an abomination to him. It's right up there with all forms of carnality. If you're someone who's a talebearer, a gossiper, a slanderer, a reviler, it is wickedness and God hates it and we wink at it. It's a respectable sin. It's okay. It's not okay. There's a reason that it's repeated all throughout James that it has to go. As the professors and teachers of our youth have told us, if I repeat it in class, then it's going to be on the test. If James is going to repeat it again and again, you guys, this is something that we will stand in judgment for. Praise God that we can come afresh to the throne of grace where Jesus has taken the judgment for us. And he will work a grief in our heart over this sin and lead us to repentance and purify our hearts and move us on to walk in holiness in this area. Don't slander your brothers or your sisters in your family. Don't talk about your nieces or nephews in a way that will denigrate them. And it's so easy in our homes, isn't it? And, when, and within our nuclear family, our domestic family. Why? Because we're all from the same root. We're all from the same source. We all have the same heritage. And so if there's deviation from that heritage or, or, or a sticking to that heritage maybe in any way that rubs anyone, we, just, we, we feel free to just slander one another. 
and to poison each other's wells concerning our family members. And I, you know, we can think of, man, talking about our nieces like that, that poisons our kid against their cousin. So that any ministry that might want to be happening there by the Holy Spirit, there's already a wall set up as, there, as a heart has been poisoned. You guys, repent. Repent within our nuclear family. It is so hard. One slanderous word spoken is so difficult to take back. So difficult to take back. If it's unacceptable in the physical family, then no doubt it's unacceptable within the spiritual family. We as Christians who have the same root, we have the same father. We have the same father who has forgiven us through the son. We are unified through the same bloodline of Jesus Christ. Something that's wrong within our nuclear family is also wrong within our spiritual family. And Leviticus tells us we are not to go up and down as a talebearer among the people. Tattletailing, juicy pieces of information. The Proverbs call them tasty trifles. Remind me of Turkish delight for some reason, you know. Tasty trifles. That's what a talebearer does. He provides these tasty trifles that go down into the innermost part and they poison and they kill. But we love them, don't we? We love them. I love them. It's sin. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Tell me more. I want to know more. You'll die. Your, your family will die. Your home will die. Your community will die. And it will end in spiritual and physical death. One man said, when you're tempted to slander someone, you should breathe through your nose. Just close your mouth, zip the lip, Breathe through the nose and just let it pass. Recently, we were in James chapter 3, and the Lord was bringing such conviction about the tongue, and apparently there's more sanctification that needs to be done in this area, maybe in just me. And, and as we were teaching this, we kind of made a promise with each other, didn't we? That, okay, from now on, we have permission to speak into each other's lives. If we begin to, to cross that line into some sort of gossip or slander, please we, we can speak into each other's lives just like, man, I, I love you. And it's like, I'm no better than you. I do this, but I see that I'm convicted by the Spirit. Like we're crossing that line. And let's just back up. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, man, praise God. Thanks for correcting me. Thanks for stopping it before it gave birth to sin. Awesome. Yeah, or, or, you know, or to give each other permission while we're speaking. You know, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this story about, hold on one sec. Can you just hold on? I just need to just be quiet for a minute, just a second. And just ponder, okay, is this something that is helpful? It's edifying. It's going to build up. It's going to exalt Christ. It's going to further his kingdom. It's true. All of these things. Uh, could I say it to this person's face? Or am I saying it behind their back? Or, or, you know, just, Lord, just, is this good right now? And just as the other person be like, yeah, feel, take your time. You know, we want to make sure that we're not going to walk into sin together as brothers and sisters in Christ, Right? Give each other that. It's awkward though, isn't it? I'm, I'm awkward there. It's kind of like you go into a movie and it ends up being like really bad and you're like, I should probably get up and walk out. And for some reason, I get stonewalled. Like, that's just awkward to get up and walk out. But we need to stand for holiness, right? We need to stand for righteousness and, and get out of there. Protest. <laughs> Let's move past that awkward moment and just say, it's okay. Just take, take a breath. Ask the Lord if we should be speaking about this right now. 
I believe if we just grow in that with each other, and you have the freedom to do that with me, you know, that, that man, God is going to just advance his kingdom through Calvary Chapel of, of Crick County. Breathe through your nose. Okay? Maybe that's, that's our code word, right? Just breathe through your nose. <laughs> do you guys hear whistling? <laughs> A lot of breathing, breathing through nose going on. We need to consider who we are speaking to. A slanderous tongue needs two ears to hear this information. Sometimes it's ears, uh, these are ears that want to hear it and can't wait for that tasty trifle to come. And so just consider, who are you spending a lot of time going to coffee with? You know, being busybodies with. Uh, who, who are these individuals? And if it's Christians, man, there needs to be repentance within that group of gals or guys. You know, th- that these ears would repent from hearing just as the tongue would repent from speaking. Um, good, important uh, word for us that whoever gossips to you will also gossip about you. You can take that to the bank. <laughs> David said, I will have nothing to do with that. I will be a ditch to this information. Kind of like when you're digging a, a fire line in a forest fire and you dig a ditch, you dig a trench, you push away the fuel for this fire so that it will die. Be that ditch. Be that stop to it in love and in humility. Spend your time around people who don't seem to like to hear that stuff and learn from them and how they, discouraging the te- they discourage the telling of it. Do you know those people? Can you think of those people that, man, you've been there and you kind of started to cross that line into slander and then they, they either just totally lose like the, the interested face and it becomes like a, I'm not, even like, I'm not even paying attention right now. Or maybe they lovingly have corrected you. Spend time with those people and say, teach me your ways, master. Teach me your ways, sensei, Mr. Miyagi. Here's a couple of convicting words of when we've moved and crossed over the line and become guilty of slander. I am guilty of slander when I report negatively of a person's views of a subject without knowing what those views really are. It's a sore temptation to take a sound bite off of a media clip, whether it's the news or a politician speaking or a preacher speaking or a, a voicemail or whatever it might be. We take that soundbite, we pass it on to somebody else. We haven't done the work to find out the context of the phrase or if this saying genuinely represents a person's conviction in the matter. But because I'm in this sinful state and I have a sinister desire in my heart to see this person tore down, I'm going to spice it up and sugar it up and make it just really fit my needs to promote my kingdom. You guys, watch out for that. I'm guilty for slander when I act as if I know the motives of people and then challenge those motives. Well, you know the real reason they were out here picking rocks today. I think we all do, right? (laughs) Or the only reason they showed up today is because of this. You know why they brought that dessert? (laughs) Trying to show me they cook lemon bars better than me. (laughs) Watch your judgment of people's motives. This is all pertaining to our fiesta yesterday out at the McKennan's family farm, by the way. So if you're convicted, you know why. (laughs) I'm guilty of slander when I question a person's commitment to things. I put myself in the position of God at these times. Slander needs to be repented of. It needs to be gotten rid of in obedience to the word of God and in submission to the word of God. 
And this is a Sunday where we get to drag the ugly beast out into the open and beat it to death with clubs of repentance and grieving and sorrowing over our sin so that we can be cleansed, so that we can have our hearts purified, and so that God can do his glorifying missional work through us. We need to understand, here's what the word of God, the Bible says about slandering and gossip, and I have been a slanderer and a gossiper. What should I do? As Peter would say, you need to repent. As James would say, you need to mourn and grieve and weep over this. Do you realize you've been destroying homes? Do you realize you've been destroying communities? Do you realize you've been dividing a church? It must end. And I hope you would see the seriousness of it and grieve with a godly sorrow that produces repentance. But in the midst of that, you should say like John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace, I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great savior. I have sinned disgustingly in this way against people that I even love and would call bro and sis. But Christ is a great savior. And so we come to the mercy seat where we realize that the gospel is for sinners and that only bad people go to heaven. Only bad people go to heaven. I am a bad person, but God, but the gospel, but the Lord Jesus Christ, but the blood. Our sin destroys, it divides, it kills Slander matters. Trying to build ourselves up by tearing someone down is a grave sin. We come to a place that Isaiah 53 speaks of that all we like sheep have gone astray with our mouths, I would add. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, there's the bad news today that we have gone astray in gossip and slander and tearing people down, but the Lord has laid on Jesus the sin of every one of us. Would you place your sin at the feet of Jesus today and let him take it for you? Would you come in humility and repentance? He will lift you up. That's what verse 12 of James 4 says. He will lift you up. The answer to sin is always to come lay afresh at the foot of the cross and the finished work that is there. It is the gospel that moves us to be in our daily experience what we are in our standing before God. Everything that we go through in life, we have the Spirit speaking to us. You know that you're not that gossiper, right? You know that you're a new creation in Christ. So stop it. Let's go on to greater things that I'm calling you to. Things that you've been purchased for. Things that you've been clothed in. Let's do it, says the Holy Spirit. You're not alone in this. I'm here with you. However, the opposite of that is ethics, religious morality, and external religiosity. Self-help programs. Those are the sum and source of every false religion in the world trying to do our best to just fix ourselves in whatever endeavor we take on. It's not the gospel. The Spirit of God, through the gospel, 
not only changes our heart of stone to be a heart of flesh that wants to obey God and now knows God, but he changes our affections to no longer want to slander. Where we're in a place where we're saying it there, you know, in the field or in the car or at the tea table or whatever it might be, and it comes up, praise God that the Lord showed it to us in that moment. Praise God that he convicted us that that is wrong. And I almost want to throw up because it's, it's wrong. It's coming out of my mouth anyways. Let's get it out. And I grieve over it. And I, there's tears. There's sleepless nights. The psalmist says my bed swims because God's revealing my sin. And I want to get rid of it. That's why John tells us that if you're in Christ, you can no longer sin. Well, we sin all the time, so what's up with that? You will not continue on in the same sin. If you are truly born again with the Spirit of God, you will be grieved by the Spirit of God. You will be broken by the Spirit of God. You may be crushed by the Spirit of God. He will end it in you by his power, by his grace, and for his glory. Again, speak not against, or do not speak evil against your brother. Don't slander, slur, insult, defame. So not only does it happen within the community, not only does it happen within our families, mom, dad, sister, brother, grandpa, grandma, aunt, uncle, niece, nephew, all of that, but it happens within the church. And why in the world within a church would somebody speak evil of their brother? This is the bride of Christ. This is the family of God. This is the community of light. Well, in the case of James, we already know that the first readers of James were in sin because they would show partiality to the more wealthy ones among them. We know they had to be exhorted against wars and fights that would spring up from their evil desires for pleasure. We already know that there were grudges and bitterness and envy, self-seeking and other things against the people who were poor or maybe of a lower class or caste system. Speaking evil of one another, even within the church, happens because we're human. And we're going to fail one another and those people are going to fail us. We're going to sin against one another. We're going to disappoint and annoy one another. We're going to find comfort and pleasure in gossip and slander and poisoning one another's minds against the erring brother. Misery loves company. So while we're in the midst of this bitter grudging match mess thing that we got going on, we're going to see who else is feeling the same way. And then we're going to find comfort in just sitting there with them, speaking evil of the people or person who's done this to us. It's the nature of the beast, isn't it? Whispering, conceits, tumults. Guys, not here. Not here. Not here. Ephesians chapter 5 or 4 verse 31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Let's put it away today. James 5 9. So in you know, a couple weeks we'll be here. Do not grumble against one another, brethren. Who knows? Maybe that'll be a whole other teaching on the tongue. It's there in chapter 5. I don't know. We're not there yet. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. 
Colossians says that we're to put off things like anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of our mouth, not lying to one another since we put to death the old man and his deeds. And now we put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. And now that we have a new man put on, it says there in verse 12, uh, as the elect of God, this is Colossians 3.12, as the elect of God now, a new man, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. So you can kind of picture someone that's dressed for winter with all these layers on and just like, you know, looks like uh, the Michelin man or something, you know. And at first, the old man had all of these wicked things that he was to put off, take it off, take it off, take off the layers. Now we're a new man, and Christ wants to put on new layers. And these new layers are tender mercies. Tender mercies. How can we slander someone when we are tenderly compassionate for their situation? Tender mercies. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, don't go gossip and slander them. It says, even as Christ forgave you, you must do. And then kind of the final apron of it all is put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Guys, love, it's the fulfillment of the law. Love is this bond. It's the strap that holds all of these things together. And maybe it just does come down to that. Maybe I've been slandering because I really don't love them. And that shows my heart issue. God, you need to do a work. 11b of our text, so the second part of verse 11, shows us a sad pattern. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. So not only does slander destroy community, but it dishonors God. When you slander, you put yourself above the law of God. As if it's not necessary for you to love your neighbor in the way that you speak. In the process, you offend the giver of the law, God himself. And that's the biggest offense of this. Even when David had committed adultery and killed this woman's husband in a deceitful plot and plan, when he was confronted in his sin and was broken before the Lord, he said, it's against you and you alone that I've sinned. Yes, there was sin against Bathsheba. There was sin against Uriah. There's sin against this child because he's going to die for David's sin. There's a whole lot of horizontal sin going on. But he knows that ultimately the chief sin and all of our sin, it's against the Lord. And that's in our judgment and in our slander. We're robbing God of his glory as we exalt ourselves. When we speak evil of a brother and sister, we almost inevitably set ourselves up as judges. Look at verse 11. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother. When we're speaking evil, we're in the midst of judgment and condemning them. Slander and judgment, they're almost inseparable. When we slander a brother, we're usually claiming that this person has failed to do what they should have done or is doing what they should never have done. Taskell writes, in doing this, the slanderer is going far beyond the bounds of what is legitimate for ordinary human beings. 
In other words, in an ordinary human court, judgment is passed after all of the facts are heard. But the problem with slander is that it makes the judgment before all of the evidence is seen. And you know what? Slander doesn't even want all the facts and doesn't want all of the evidence to get out because then we wouldn't be able to say what we're saying that's tearing that person down and is lifting me up. So let's not hear all the facts. Let's just pronounce some judgment, jumping to judgment without any attempt to discover the truth. When we enter into superficial, misguided, uninformed, cruel judgment, we're actually speaking against the law of the Lord and we're expressing a judgment on the law of the Lord. That's what this verse is saying. This law could mean could be speaking the, the whole of Scripture or what it boils down to, loving your neighbor as yourself, as you love the Lord your God with all your heart. We need to remind ourselves in this point what verse 6 and verse 10 speak of, of humility. Acknowledging what we know about our own heart, how wretched and sinful we are, and how we should be the ones in the defendant seat on the bench. You guys watch Aaron Hernandez get sentenced this week to life in prison for murder, multiple murder, and all this other stuff? Sitting there watching it on my iPad with my daughter, and she's like, what did he do? And you know what? I just couldn't just degrade this guy. You know, this isn't anything great about me, but, you know, he's sitting there, and he obviously looks like he's not super remorseful about it or anything like that. But, that doesn't even matter. I'm probably making a judgment there. Anyways, there I go again. Okay, yeah, breathe through my nose. It's really hard to preach while I breathe through my nose. But in all of that, you know, by the grace of God, there go I. By the grace of God, he hasn't allowed my envy and my self-seeking and my adulterous heart and my all of these other things to lead me in killing somebody. There's a whole lot of pastors on 2020 and Dateline that have done that. I'm not above it. And so I can't point the finger at him in judgment to my daughter because by the grace of God, there go I. And so in all of that, Derek Prime writes, the knowledge of our own failings makes us more and more hesitant about expressing any form of criticism of others. The man or the woman who knows himself learns an increasing silence before other people's faults. Do you know yourself? I hope you, along with me, will learn an increasing silence against other people's faults. Verse 12. We got through one verse already, and it's time to end, so this will be quick. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy, who are you to judge another? The literal translation of this is, there is one alone who is at one time the lawgiver and the judge, namely, he who is able to destroy and to save. There's one who has the ability to operate in the legislative, executive, and judicial branches of the legal section of the government. It's the Lord God Almighty. And so we come to him in times of injustice and in times of wrong, and we leave our problems at the foot of the cross. James is nearly quoting here Deuteronomy 32, 39, where the Lord says, see that I, even I am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. 
I wound and I heal, nor are there any other who can deliver from my hand. There's ultimately one judge. Human courts may get it right or they may get it wrong, but the heavenly judge will always get it right. And he will judge with all the facts before him, judging in righteousness. Now, before we get there and and close yet, we could take a message like this and it would completely support America's favorite verse, judge not lest you be judge. Okay? And maybe you've even thought of that. Judge not lest you be judged. I mean, doesn't that seem what James is talking about? You got to understand that a verse like James, as we're in today, doesn't negate the mandate in Christian living to reach out to our brothers, to confront them in their sin, to be living in the light before one another. And when we see one another in wickedness, we come alongside them to bring them out of sin in a spirit of gentleness, hoping to gain them and to restore them to holiness. Now, the Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, verse is speaking of condemning someone and sitting as the judge that would send them to hell. That is not your position, and that is not my position. However, it goes right on to speak of when you do finally take the plank out of your own eyes so that you can get the speck out, there's a healthy work going on there. I've got to deal with my sin first, then I can come to you and help you. I've got to discern that you've got a speck in your eye in the first place. There is that level of being in each other's lives and speaking into each other's lives in that capacity. Within the same breath, Jesus also speaks of knowing false prophets in Matthew chapter 7. And we need to be fruit inspectors and we need to be judgers of fruit. When we see a tree that's claiming to be an apple tree, but it's got all kinds of thorns and briars on it, then we're able to say through discernment, that is not an apple tree, that is a thorn tree. And we were able to discern false prophets through that. However, we're not to crino in the Greek. We're not to condemn. We're not to judge and send to eternal damnation in that sense. That job is for the Lord and the Lord alone. This is our closing verse here, Romans 14. And we're going to have the worship team come on up. Romans 14, 1 through 13. This takes our judging one another to the level of there are things in our life that the Bible does not forbid, okay? Uh, Doesn't condemn. And, And these are gray areas. These are called Christian liberties or religious freedom, freedom things in our faith. This might be smoking a cigar. This might be having a beer. This might be going to the theater, This might be listening to a non-Christian radio station. This might be, I have the freedom to to sign the covenant membership. This might be, I have the freedom to not sign the covenant membership. This might be all kinds of different gray areas, okay? And in that, we're to be careful in how we judge people in their position. Romans 14, 1 through 13 says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. And this is where it really gets applicable for today. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand 
for God is able to make him stand. So we're talking about Christians who have freedom. They're not disobeying the Lord. They're not walking in direct disobedience. These are areas that God has allowed there to be liberty. And we're not to crino them. We're not to condemn them. To his master, he's going to, to stand or to fall. And you know what? In God's grace, in God's eternal purposes, he will be made to stand, it says. He who began a good work in this person will be faithful to complete the work in this person. Let's just jump down to verse 10 in this Romans 14 passage for the sake of time. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account to himself for God. Therefore, let us judge one another no more, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Let's stand. And in closing, I want to quote Charles Simeon, who was a pastor in Cambridge. He wrote to a colleague in ministry five directives. He said, the longer I live, the more I feel the importance of adhering to the rules to which I've laid down for myself. First of all, to hear as little as possible what is to the prejudice of others. I just don't even want to hear. I don't want to hear that. It's kind of that, let's stop. Let's stop and breathe through our nose. I just don't want to hear if, if there's prejudice against someone in, in speaking. Secondly, to believe nothing of the kind until I am absolutely forced to it. Third, never to drink into the spirit of one who circulates an ill report. Someone circulating an ear report, ill report, you know what? I don't want to be an ear to that. I want to be the ditch that stops that. Fourth, always to moderate as far as I can the unkindness which is expressed towards others. Oh man, this person, you know, have you thought about maybe they're thinking this way? Maybe they're thinking this way. You know, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Fifth, always to believe that if the other side were heard, a very different account would be given of the matter. And then he would say to his friend, let us sit upon the seat of love instead of upon the seat of judgment. And so as we come today to communion in closing, I'm going to have you come forward and grab the elements of communion and go back to your seat and hold on. We're going to partake together, but ponder the body of Jesus represented by the bread. And now he was broken and wounded. I love how one man put it, his body was the sponge that absorbed the wrath of God against our slander. Slander for today's message. Thank you, Lord, for taking upon you my sin. And I remember the blood today that was spilled so freely there at Calvary and how your blood paid my ransom price to free me from this horrible sin of gossip and slander. Let's ponder that, holding the elements, remembering the cross of Christ, 
coming to the mercy seat where Jesus is today. And we'll pray and we'll partake together during this song.